Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of The Suspense is Killing Me. Today, I am very fortunate to have with me the lovely Kat Silva. How are you, Kat? I am good. How are you? Fantastic. We had a good time talking before we came on about all the fun things um, and how life is going for us. You're in Maine right now. It's definitely cooler for you than it is for me here in Virginia. Um, yes. What's your temp? What do you got? Um, gosh, I don't actually know what, uh, like in the, is it in the, is it in the fifties there right now? Um, let me check here. It's been... probably close to it. We're in the seventies right now. Yes. It's... 56. There you go. <laughs> yeah. See, you get the real autumn. Yes. Uh, we've got <laughs> some leaves changing. We're not in full like peak foliage yet, but they're definitely changing now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we're we're just uh, we're just getting in there right now, but it's been so wet here because we've had this tropical storm coming through. Yeah, and it just hasn't stopped. So we're going to finally get a little sun. But you know, uh, it, it bothers me because I know that that can impact the color of the leaves here and we get amazing mm -hmm. falls in Virginia. So anyway, I know people didn't want to hear me talk about Virginia <laughs> fall. <laughs> It's like, hey, if anybody needs to plan a vacation for yeah. foliage in Virginia. You guys got it. You've got it all. You've got it all planned out. Um, so Kat, thanks for joining me. Um, we've been we've been talking on social media for a couple of months now about getting together and talking about all your wonderful books and your your series has just got me captivated. I've got all your books right now. And we're sharing them in my house. My wife is reading. Oh, I'm reading. Yeah, we're that's so nice. We're in. We are Thank in. You. But I don't have the hallowed oblivion yet, which we have to talk about today. A little bit of information about that would be awesome. Um, but before we talk about writing, usually what we do on the show is I try to get people to like understand a little bit about how you got here, right? It's like Cat didn't just wake up one morning. A fully fledged author adult <laughs> she she became this thing um was this something that started for you at a young age did you start writing young were you into 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 reading young yeah i um when i was a kid before i could even write i really liked to draw uh, my dad is an artist so drawing was a a big creative thing for me and i drew picture books so i liked the narrative idea i like telling a story and i would do it through marker drawings <laughs> um what are marker drawings well just you know using markers uh versus oh, markers the, you know, wands or yeah um and uh and then create books that way and then as soon as i could write i was writing stories usually about haunted houses and spooky things like that because um, Halloween was just my favorite time of the year and uh, I wanted it to be all the time. So that's where really where it, it started. Um, I was also really fortunate enough to live within walking distance of a library, which we went to every week and wow. would just hang out at that's cool. for hours. <laughs> um, and um, so, so yeah, I just had a lot of access to really great books uh, in my community, which was nice. So did you find suspenseful fiction at that point? Or did you kind of start in a different, like reading other types of books? Like what got you? Like what kind of hooked you into 
reading the fun? Uh, so when I was a kid, it was like the, the spooky stuff. It was certainly like goosebumps. Mm. That was the, the first big um, attractor. And then I also read a lot of Animorphs and those two in particular uh, really captivated me. And then, uh, you know, probably more high school, junior high age, I was reading vampire fiction, mm. uh, uh, the, the early paranormal romance before it got a little too <laughs> the same. Uh, commercialized. Yes. Commercialized is there a much better word. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and then from there, just, Excellent. yeah. Yeah. That was it. That was the path was to it. greatness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah vampires really were the the big draw see that's super cool was it was it an Anne rice thing were you like wh where did that start no uh actually it was amelia atwater rhodes uh who was 15 when she wrote her first wow book and so it was um a young adult fiction but In the Forests of the Night was her first book. And hmm. I discovered that whole series and just fell in love That's with so the cool. idea of writing vampires and writing dark fiction. And um, it was a whole thing that I hadn't experienced prior. And, uh, and I wanted to write my own vampire universe like nice. she had created, uh, which I did end up doing years later. Um, uh, that was my first publication. That was my first few books was the Monstrum Chronicle series. And then from there, I branched off and started doing other things. Man, that's so cool. I, I love I love hearing about uh, what what anchored people in the beginning. Um, a lot of it for me was I had this love for I guess you could say it was like classic literature and gothic fiction. And I was a young kid. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense now that I think back on it. But I just liked the feeling that I got. I felt like I was always in that time of year, like you said, kind of like it like trapped me in, in the fall. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved just dwelling on that stuff. I guess part of it is like kind of, I don't know, like you were talking on Slayhouse uh, Presents, which by the way, was an excellent interview with Trevor. Um, I really enjoyed listening to that, um, that podcast. And uh, you guys were talking about uh, uh, grief horror. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you mentioned that, my, I was like, oh, my gosh, this was exactly what happened to me as a teen. I was just like, <laughs> you know, angsty, mm -hmm. uh, whatever kid. And um, it just pulled so much out of me. And, and I hate to say it, but I loved being in that emotion it mm -hmm. kind of addictive, right? Yep. So I don't know if it's necessarily the healthiest thing for me, but it definitely was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, I mean, there's something to be said about uh, a healthy dose of sadness, like watching a movie or reading a book that just like gets you, mm -hmm. uh, gets, gets you in the right way. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, God, this is so sad, but I love it. Right. Um, versus the actual like, Oh, my life is falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> right. I Sad for all the like right this. reasons. Yeah. yeah. Sad for all the right reasons. <laughs> Not the wrong ones. Um, oh, that's, 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 
that that just spoke to me when you guys were having that conversation that really kind of pulled me in and uh and i really um kind of it resonated with me uh because i feel like that's a lot of what's at the base of i guess you could say as a general genre of horror um is that it touches on something very real to people and it's on the fringes a bit um no matter what subgenre it is um and that stuff kind of pulled pulled on me um I remember being the weird kid that would sit on the bus or whatever, listening to my Discman. Yeah, what's up, dog? And I'd have my Mary Shelley Frankenstein movie soundtrack going. Nice. You know? Yeah. Or um, uh, I was obsessed with anything Tim Burton and Danny Elfman had done. That was me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I have this this memory and it <laughs> it I look back on it and I'm just like, Ah, uh, yeah. If there was a moment that could have defined what I was going to be like as an adult, this is it. It was like, God, what birthday was that? I don't know. I must have been like 15, 16, something like that. And I really wanted to go to to the store with my friends and get music. That was, you know, that was what I wanted to do. And so they picked out, you know, your typical pop 90s stuff Ugh. or 2000 stuff and i grabbed a beautiful mind soundtrack by james horner awesome. and i was just like yes oh you guys need to listen to this this is so awesome and i put it on and it's like this operatic Char- <laughs> charlotte church stuff and they're just like what is this <laughs> but i was so enamored by it and it, yeah. it really like got me in the feels and (laughs) it's it moves you yeah and who doesn't want to be moved like that you know that's good music man yeah (laughs) that's what music's supposed to do for you (laughs) yeah and then uh and then when that composer died I was like genuinely heartbroken Mm. um because yeah. it was just like this was such this was a formative music experience for me uh and he's gone and he's never gonna make music again and it was just like god uh, yeah kills me it's tough man i mean there's a there's a there's a lot to be said about how you can connect with someone through art in such mm-hmm. a deep way and never actually meet that person you know know them personally or anything like that and be moved that much by their work um and not to make this you know weird or anything but i think as writers we kind of hope our books will do that at some point that they reach somebody on that level and it's just like that makes all of it worth it it's well beyond all the numbers you know we're we're both you know indie pubs and so it's like you know yeah. you, we have to live in the world of like how many books are we moving and all the things but that's not what matters you know it's like meeting someone like that is what matters um and you've written some pretty deep stuff so um well thanks it's uh <laughs> it's been cathartic i will say um yeah. and i have had people who have reached out to me and have said you know, like I've, I've, you know, your stuff has made me think, uh, your stuff has really been good for me that way. So, and it's, it's always a little bit just like surreal that experience, but, um, 
Sorry, my cat has just joined. No, it's it's awesome. What's what's your cat's name? This is Lemon Jelly. <laughs> what's up, Lemon Jelly? Oh man, that's great. Now we're 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 fans of the uh, pets on the show. Yeah, he. I actually thought he would have joined us earlier, but he was sleeping downstairs. My excursion to get coffee roused him. I'm a little heartbroken that my um, I'm a little heartbroken that my dog doesn't come down here anymore. <laughs> like she used Aww. to when my office was upstairs, she used to come hang out with me, and then she stopped doing that when I came downstairs. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't have my buddy chilling with me. Aww. So, yeah. Well, lemon jelly, you're welcome on the show anytime. Come on back. <laughs> um, so, did you start writing around that same time, or did you did you wait? Um, so I, I really started writing like long stuff in high school. Um, I wrote my first novel in high school and of course it was this very bizarre story, not horror. Uh, it was actually about, a like a thief who was also a, a like well-known pianist and he was going to some rich house to play for a party and was going to steal the the art that was there some like very thomas crown affair like influenced stuff um and then um and then did have a few things where i was writing some like more vampire uh well, I didn't finish any of that stuff, just <laughs> thinking about that. But I did have some, like, I did want to write the darker stuff, but I wasn't really confident in in how I was going to finish it at that point. Um, so I was writing a lot more murder mystery uh, or thriller things. And then in 2000 seven I took a an adult ed course on creative writing and that was where the seed for my first book was planted and I spent five months just writing constantly wow and and then I self-published that book wow. in 2009, 2010. Oh. Um, wow. And then, yeah, so that, that was when it, it turned from more than just a hobby into like, this is what I want to do. Nice. At, at that point, did you envision having a small press or were you just like focused on a book and just get the no. book out? I, I really was doing it because I had these characters and this plot in my head and I just really wanted to tell the story. And, and at that point I was really excited about having people read my stuff and, but I also wanted to be in charge of it. I wanted to learn how to self-publish, which was a very different world uh, in 2010 it was kind of still just starting um 
there weren't as many resources out there. Uh, definitely wasn't looked upon as maybe as nicely as it is right. now um, yeah. or as fairly as it is now. So, uh, so I will say that self-publishing since 2010, being in the industry for 13 years and just kind of like learning how it's evolved and grown has really been important uh, and has really shaped how I've written and uh, done things differently as I've gone along. That's amazing. Like I didn't, I didn't realize you were, you had started self-publishing so early. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty much just a, like, you know, one of those, uh, had a, had a job, uh, had a boyfriend broke up with the boyfriend. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to write this very like angsty vampire yeah. novel and, and then like woman power, I'm going to put this out and, you know, do this thing. And is it and, still in pub? Yeah. Uh, I actually, I, I re-released re the, the three books in the series last year oh. with new covers and new interiors and everything. Oh. So they definitely needed an update. Gotcha. Um, and it's all, they're called, it's the Monstrum Chronicles series. And okay. uh, my first book was Vox was the name. They all have Latin names. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Now, do you look back now and kind of smile like, or do you look back now and what, well, of course we look back and smile, but the reason why we're smiling sometimes is different for people. Right. So it's like, yeah. um, I work with some authors and they're like, yeah, I wasn't I cute. <laughs> like if I only knew what I know now, you know, kind of thing. And then other people look back and go, man, that might've been the best thing I ever wrote. I mean, so I, when I went through and re-released everything, there were definitely moments where I was like, God, I had fun writing these. Like there was just so much freedom in the, uh, in the storytelling, in the world building. Um, and at the same time, I'm like <laughs> reading through and I'm just like, Oh God, this character is using a, um, what is it? A PDA. Yes. I'm like, where, what was that? Like <laughs> he's using a PDA. <laughs> yes. God. Um, his Blackberry so, you know, updated that. Like, how about he uses his phone? Yeah. Well. <laughs> um. Or and then there was a pocket calculator also, and I was just like, God. Oh, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing a book about like the 60s you know not about the 60s but my book takes place in the 60s and there's every once in a while i gotta stop and be like why why exactly did i choose this year again because now i gotta go look up these crazy things that happened in 1966 <laughs> yep. like, uh but one of the bits of feedback i got back on um on bury the child was like hey you need to incorporate more time relevant stuff and that was for my editor and i was like oh man i was trying to avoid that you know because i don't want to um, I don't want to, <laughs> anyway, you know, I, I get it. Um, yeah. oh my God, the cat just jumped on the desk. 
Lemon jelly is on the prowl. Lemon jelly, you are being look as a as, as long as turd right now. <laughs> as long as as long as lemon jelly doesn't get the coffee, we're good. Yeah, it's. I don't think he's going to do anything terrible. <laughs> I hope. It's awesome. It's a first. Oh um, yes. Oh, it's a first him being on the desk. Oh yeah, yeah. This nice. is a like I want we're, attention move here. We're witnessing a historic event. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, but uh, no. So the the writing historical horror also like in making sure that you do incorporate enough from that period so that it's like you feel like you're entrenched right. in it um, is really important yeah. and uh, and difficult. It does require a lot of research. Um, I wrote a novella in was it 2016 2017 which it takes place in 1925 oh. it's it's in the 20s i love that time period um and but in england so i had to do all this reading um and I had an editor actually send me a book <laughs> or recommend me a book uh, that I had to read, which was all about the uh, the railways in England during that time. Nice. Um, just so that I could have enough information to make sure that this particular scene was correct and, you know, lifelike. Um, but I had a blast writing that and um, and then it also, that book was made it into a, as a finalist for the main literary awards that year, which was oh. also really exciting. That is uh, cool. But, um, yeah, so it's, uh, I, did you, I, did you get like pretty far in the, in the process? Oh, you were a um, finalist. How, were there like, yeah i was a, a finalist i didn't win uh but i think there were only two there were two finalists that year so oh, wow. um well they missed out the, whoever, <laughs> <laughs> whoever didn't choose your clearly they missed out <laughs> yes like come on <laughs> um, um so how yeah. far so how far ahead uh of the wild oblivion series did all this kind of occur i mean it was like a pretty significant gap in time between you starting um well i'm assuming you wrote the wild dark first i, know I did one um so back you know i i think that really the roots of the wild dark started um in 2013 i had I had written a couple of like pages here and there of something that I was interested in, mm. but I hadn't finished. And every year I added a little bit to it. Mm. And um, it didn't really have a fully formed plot at that point though. It was vaguely like apocalyptic. Mm. There were ghosts. Um, I definitely knew it was in New England uh piece wow. but i i hadn't really put put everything together and you know voila 
pandemic happens. Um, I get laid off of work and I have this opportunity to spend time in my writing office, refinishing this office because I had bought the house and this was, this room looked very different. It was a child's bedroom before. And did it look Uh, like a child's bedroom still? Yes, it did. Uh, So, so I spent time and money redoing this office and then starting to read horror again, because I had, there had been a lapse in time Mm -hmm. um, from just enjoying reading. And of course that was the year that things like uh, the only good Indians, uh, the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Uh, it was all happening. All of those books came out, which were really exciting. And I read all of them very quickly and was just like, God, I need to get back into this this horror sphere. I need to, to write more of this stuff. And I started working on The Wild Dark. Um, that was also a time when I was hooked on a TV show called Fringe. I've never seen Fringe. So one of of my favorites. People love it. And I'm like, one day I'm actually going to stop and watch it. Yeah. It, um, like I was hooked on that show. I loved it. And every, like, I'm sure this happens to other people, but every time you watch a show, you have your favorite characters and you always have these like, what if moments, um, you know, what, what would have happened if they had taken the character in this direction or this direction. Mm -hmm. And my problem with most TV shows is that I fall in love with the character who dies almost immediately. (laughs) It happens every TV show I watch. And in this show it happened and I was really heartbroken. I was like, I want to know what happens, like what would have happened if this character had lived? What would have happened with this, these characters' friendships? Um, so I was like, screw it. I'm going to write this. And that's what The Wild Dark started out with, was this idea of this relationship between these two characters in this particular setting that I had created, which was, um, you know, the woods in New Hampshire. Uh, and, and then from there it was like, yeah, okay. And we're going to have a forced purgatory, (laughs) come, uh, start taking over the world at the same time that these ghosts come back. And, um, because forests are also just something that I um, love uh, living in Maine. They're everywhere. I spend a lot of time in them, have spent a lot of time in them. Um, And the idea of a forest being a limbo-like place uh, that is swallowing the world was really compelling to me. Sounds nice, actually. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if it's just a forest, sure, but it's not just a forest. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's other spooky things going on. So like I moved into like the center of woods and I'm like, I'm loving this. This sounds like a great, this is like the premise sounds great, but 
within the trees. (laughs) Yes. Within the trees, you know, it's, it's purgatory for a reason. Um, And, uh, and so that's how the story got started. And the wild dark was going to be just a one-off book. Um, I, it was going to have a, you know, a definitive ending. Um, There wasn't going to be any more to it, but the problem was that I finished writing it and I immediately wanted to write a sequel Hmm. because I fell in love with the main character. Um, When you're writing a character that you love to write, it's really hard to break away, especially if you feel like their story has not come to a complete finish. Hmm. And I didn't think that I was done with her, uh, with Liz, who is the main character uh when i reached the end of that book so i immediately wrote the first hundred pages of the sequel and then kind of put it on hold for a little while while i worked on some other things um and some of those other things were writing short stories within the universe that i could really I, I sort of wanted to do an expanded universe thing. So, gotcha. um, and, and that was during the writing of, of, um, the wildfall, right? Yes. So you, you paused partway through wildfall yep. to write short stories about the same world. Yeah. Now um, I've got to ask yeah. what, what pulled you away from, from the storyline you were on? Was it that you've just got to a point where you're like, I need to step away for just a little bit. Or were you like, oh my gosh, I've got this amazing set of ideas, but it can't fit in this book? So I think the the thing was that I kind of hit a a fork in the road and I wasn't sure where to go with the sequel. So I stopped so that I could just take a break from it and come back with fresh eyes. And And then I ended up working on another novel for a little while, which I have not finished that one is still marinating uh for (laughs) it's gonna take some time anyway that one um we'll be happy when it does come out yeah and we can all say look there it is (laughs) that's the one we were talking about (laughs) um and then and then i you know rereading the first book i just got really interested in telling one of the other characters stories um in particular what would have happened on you know a few weeks before the the apocalyptic event happens in the, in the wild dark with this this character um and it ended up being like i wanted to tell a halloween story i wanted to write and publish something that took place on halloween because it was fun right so that's where the concept for this one came from. That was Hallowed Oblivion. And I wrote it pretty fast, actually. It, it was within a matter of weeks. Because um, I had published a short story also within, <laughs> also within the universe that was called Orchards, which came out in August of last year. Um, so I wrote Hell at Oblivion over the course of like three or four weeks and then published that in oh, wow. 
early October. Um, How many weeks? Like three or four. So you finished, you finished, you fin. Okay. So you wrote yep. that whole novelette in three to four weeks. Yep. Wrote it. How, how long after writing it did you it. publish it? Hmm? You did all that in four weeks, the writing and, yep. the, and the formatting and pubbing and everything? Yep. Cover, wow. design, um, formatting, Cat. published. Um, Look at you. Yeah. That's the, like, <laughs> I... That's amazing. When when you're motivated. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I, but I was also just really like gung ho about it. I I was excited that I was writing something of of this particular flavor, which was new to me, um, writing a Halloween story. And it came out, it actually did really well. I think it's the only, <laughs> so far, the only like splinter uh, short, short novel of the, the three that I've put out that has done the best. Um, and it's also getting a sequel spoiler, uh, which okay. is coming out in a few weeks. Will it also be a novelette? It, it's a little longer. Um, it's, it's, I think squarely in novella territory now. So, um, but yes, it, it is still short. Um, right. And then, after I finished Hallowed Oblivion, I was like, I want to write a Christmas one now. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote Dan and Andy's Karaoke Holiday, which is based on two characters from Hallowed Oblivion hmm. and their, their little <laughs> adventure that they have uh, being stuck in a bar uh, when the forest <laughs> purgatory takes over their town. And I nice. put that one out in December. And, so that uh, one came out December of 22? Yep. Okay. So guys, there's your Christmas read for 2023. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get to um, like make some Canva images with like Christmas lights and like cheesy little... <laughs> yep. Yep. It's a feel good story for the holidays. Um, and that, that one is also, that's a comedy horror. Like nice. that's more comedy horror than anything else. And I really enjoy writing comedy, but it's not something that I have done a lot of. Hmm. Um, that's also based on my two coworkers because they, they were excited about, they've been really good supporters of the books and, um, one in particular helped come up with a lot of the plot of that short story. Um, Excellent. So, so they are based on real people who are also named Dan and Andy. Um, oh, that's that. It's yeah. Like that real. <laughs> that's awesome. And um, I am going to write a follow-up for that one as well, but it's probably not going to come out this year. That's so, so cool. So yes. You've got, you've got me thinking, I've, I've got to ask this question because just because your process with the wildfall and then moving into those other stories and coming back, are you a, are you more of a pantser than a plotter or are you more of a plotter up to a certain point and you're like, I gotta, I gotta, I just gotta get going. So it's, it's the planter, uh, right amalgamation it's the like i usually have the ending figured out before i write gotcha the rest of the book 
um, very similar to what you were talking about, where you you know the ending, you know the beginning, and you just kind of make up stuff in the middle. Right. It's it's similar to that, um, but usually I know what the ending is going to be, hmm. and then I just have to get the characters there. Um, and some books that happens easier with than others, like the one that's coming out in a few weeks was, well, you know, the one that's coming out October 12th, it, it is very much, I knew what the ending was and then just like getting them there, uh, Right. Was was fairly well plotted out. And that's because there is, you know, a definitive like, ah, this was stated in the wild dark. We have right. to get them to that point that happens in the wild dark. Nice. So this is this is Lost Oblivion, right? Yes. It comes out October twelfth. Yes. Which is a Thursday, folks. We talked about that before we started filming. Um I've I love that you're putting these books out related to your series. I, I'm just fascinated by it because I feel like there's a, there's so much opportunity to do that, but people don't take those opportunities, right? Like I'm before we came live, I was talking about how I plotted rough plotted three, three novels in a series, then fine plotted the first book and then said, we need a prequel and hit pause on all of them and went and wrote Bury the Child as the prequel, which is, you know, mm -hmm. like you said, just, you know, kind of nice and sweet, not a long story, not a short story. It's a, it's barely a novella world, but it's novella. And it, it was, it was out of the blue after I'd plotted out three novels. And mm -hmm. so I've never really thought about doing that during the writing of the series. Like I stopped before I got, into those so this is really cool to hear that you did this in series and that you were spinning these stories off um to serve the same people who have fallen in love with this universe that you've created in this whole this whole world i also think it's a huge vote of like confidence for you as a writer that you're comfortable doing that and not feeling obligated to put those into the novels that are in the series right because i feel like sometimes we get like we're, well i'm planning three books or I'm planning two books. I've got to get those two books in. It's got to be in those books. It doesn't fit in that story. It just yeah. gets set aside and never gets touched. You know? Yeah. It's well, I mean, the thing that's that is kind of restrictive in the books is that they have, you know, they have a main character. It is told in first person. So there isn't really much opportunity to jump into other characters' heads and creating these smaller stories within the same universe gives that um gives that opportunity um so so i'm not nervous about it um and it it also it's the kind of thing that's like i'm i am excited to tell the story if no one reads it <laughs> that's fine it's out there i'm excited about it like when That's people awesome. do discover the series, they have all of these different things that they can then jump into if they would like. Um, yeah, it's, it's I more it. like I got the story out of my brain. Now I can move on to other things. 
I dig it. I think it's so cool. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and, and that's going to all be published on Strange Wilds Press, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Strange Wilds Press is my small press. Um, and that's, yep, they're all going to be published through that. Excellent. Um, so you guys need to go check those out. And do you sell wide? I do. Yeah. Everything is available on, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, so if you've, if you've, uh, recalled before we got started, I asked about music a little bit. I'm really big on like what inspires you while you're writing certain stories. Like I could tell you like the three songs to listen to if you're reading Bury the Child that were just stuck in my head, particularly the last few episodes or a few chapters, sorry. Um, it was, it was like this thing that just kept pulling me through, you know, like I was like, I couldn't get away from the song. I couldn't get away from the story. I just mm -hmm. had to go. Um, and that was the sky is red by leprous, which is, mm -hmm. you know, kind of an interesting song if you've never heard it, but like, I was like, I have to write. Like I, as soon as that yeah. song would come, I was like, we got to go. Um, so was there, was there any type of music that kind of resonated with you while you were writing? Um, like hollowed oblivion, for example, cause that's a Halloween ish like time mm -hmm. period. Right. Was there something that musically that inspires that story? So all of the books on, and all of the, um, the short books have soundtracks, which are on Spotify. Excellent. Um, hollowed oblivion has a very short, but powerful soundtrack. Hmm. Um, first song is uh blood by the eels maybe it's just eels uh fresh blood by eels um and it is just like it's a it's probably the perfect halloween song nice. in just like it's got like a feel-good kind of beat to it but then also it's uh it's got something a little rougher to it also right um so that was definitely one of the songs that that helped me along with that. Um, also, the song Kids, which is featured pretty heavily in the Stranger Things soundtrack, mm -hmm. was definitely an inspiration on that. And there is... Um, it's actually song from the silent hill three soundtrack on there too i think mm. um i did listen to a lot of akira yamoka while working on that project while working on a lot of the series um because it's it's just that very like ambient moody industrial nice. sound um a lot of the time when I'm writing, I listen to music that does not have lyrics mm -hmm. because it is just easier to lose yourself in that. Um, it's, it is a mood thing. I'm going to look something up for you that my buddy, editor, co-author, Zach Bohannon said, you've got to listen to this while you write your next book. <laughs> it's all, okay. it's a band that has done, uh, um, They've done instrumental versions of their albums in addition to with words. Um, it's uh, Moonflowers, uh, Swallow the Sun. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, 
Moonflowers is the album. Swallow the Sun is the band. Okay. And they have a deluxe edition, and it's a, uh, it's a like classical versions of their music. Which okay. Is really cool. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Something awesome. cool to check out. Yeah. So he sent me that note as he was editing my book. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, dude, I'm reading this chapter, listening to this song, and it's perfect. You need to go put this on." I'm like, "Okay, now I have to write a chapter of that song. Thanks, dude." <laughs> so, um. I, I, I prefer to, to write to music. I, I, I don't necessarily have a preference with or without lyrics, but I know that some people just cannot think words while hearing words. Um, yep. So uh, I, I'm, I guess in my brain, I can kind of push it to the background and I can feel the music in the back, but it probably has something to do with the fact that I was a musician for a few years and I was good at parsing out the stuff so I could listen to what, what mattered to me in the moment. Um, especially when you're playing live because you can't hear like half of what's going on anyway. So you're like, I gotta get that noise out of my way. Um, so, so with, with lost oblivion, like literally on the horizon, um, do we have any promotional stuff? Are you doing any events like in October, November, December that you want to share with people? Yes. So I actually have quite a few events that are going on, um, the same week, uh, as the release, I, let me think, the week before I am doing a reading in Lewiston, Maine. Um, the week of, I will be at the Merrimack Valley Halloween Book Festival, which is happening in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Awesome. Um, I have a table there. My books will be available at my table. So if you're in that that area, please come and, and hang out for the day. I believe it starts at 10 a.m. and goes until four. Wow. And that's at the Haverhill Public Library. Um, and then the day after, I will be in Providence, Rhode Island at the Lovecraft Arts and Sciences Bookstore with Robert Atone and Aquino Laoza. Nice. I'm going to say it wrong. I apologize, Aquino. <laughs> um, and uh, we will be doing a reading of our books there and we'll be signing books as well. Uh, that'll be Sunday, October 15th from 1 to 3 p.m. Nice. Well, give give Robert a high five for me. Um, we'll what do. A, what a fun, fun guy to be with. Um, <laughs> you're going to have fun. <laughs> Right. Um, so what, so like, I guess the a parting question for you is what are you reading that you want to share with others that you think that they may enjoy? Like that's what really got you right now, as far as reading other people's work. Um, so currently I am in the middle of reading, uh, a pantheon of thieves by Koi Hall, which is a really incredible short story collection. Hmm. Um, and it's uh it's just brilliantly written so um i do recommend nice. that um i did just finish we spread by ian reed and mr magic by kirsten white um read those for a uh a podcast and that's like that's the existential horror <laughs> genre in a nutshell, um, nice. which I, 
I, I really like writing existential horror, so I, I do recommend both of those. They were incredible reads. Um, and then I am going to be starting Rob Atone's Wrapped in Plastic yes. short story collection, which <laughs> will be coming out October 26th, I believe. Yes. I can't wait to break into that one. I'm still trying to finish. And Rob, if you're listening to this, you're going to laugh because I've been saying this literally for episodes. I'm, I've been reading the vile thing we created for mm -hmm. probably two months now. Um, it's my daily, like bite, 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 bite read. And I'm jamming all these other shorter stories in at the same time. Um, but I just love that story. And so when he, um, uh, art uh, wrapped in plastic, I was like, yes, because I, I feel like this story is getting ready to end soon. And I'm going to want more of what, mm -hmm. what Rob puts out. Um, he's just so good. Um, yeah. And then of course, I'm reading our friend Red Lego's Impulses of a Necrotic Heart, um, which came out a few weeks ago on the 29th of September. She's my she's my, I guess you could say book sister, uh, as far as release dates, like birthdays. <laughs> both released on the 29th of September. So check out both of those. If you guys haven't had a chance, they're really, really good. Um, well, Kat, uh, before we leave, I had one mention, um, uh, because I don't want people to feel like this is the last time they're ever going to see us together. We are <laughs> planning eventually to hang out on winter views, which is your podcast that runs starting in January. Mm -hmm. And, um, can you just kind of give us a little info on what's, uh, what's going on with winter views this year? Sure. So we will be entering season three of Winter Views. Um, we will be discuss. <clears throat> excuse me. We will be discussing your emotion. Uh, about it. <laughs> different. Yeah. Uh, we discuss different horror genres uh, every episode, and what it is that the particular author in question really likes about them, um, and uh, and enjoys writing about them particularly. So that is going to start probably the first week of January. I haven't gotten to scheduling yet. Uh, and it goes through the end of March. Hmm. And uh, we will have 10 guests this year. Nice. Uh, you, of course, being one of them. Uh, it's my quiet celebration for those that can't see me. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for coming on the show and hanging out and like sharing like i learned so much more about your series today and i'm really looking forward to reading all of the novellas that have spun off of the wild oblivion and it's just it's just uh so great to meet with somebody who is on the like you're in the trenches with indie publishing in in the same like grief horror kind of groove that, uh, that I find so many great authors sitting in and I'm just grateful that you made the time today to meet with us. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to have you back on the show soon. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I had a good time. Thanks Cap. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you in the next episode. Make sure you go out and check all of Kat's socials. Like you need to connect with her. She's amazing. You need to buy all the books. You need to just follow everything she's doing because She's genuine. Her stuff is great. And as you heard today, she's got fascinating, fascinating stories to share. So go get them. Go do those things. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next episode.